CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and today I'm joined by baseball fan and, uh, of course, Oklahoma State alumni uh, member as well as myself here and college football fan, NFL fan, really fan of every single sport in the entire world, Alexi Bulwark. Alexi, how's it going? Hey, Calvin. Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Of course. Of course. Well, hey, I, I know, um, you, you know, I'm talking a little bit of, you know, texting back and forth about the baseball season going on so far. It's been a minute since I talked baseball with anyone. I think you were probably the last one on the podcast I talked to any baseball with. But uh, I know def- we need to get you guys talking some more baseball. I mean, come on. I can't be the only guy out here that knows baseball. Jeez. You know, out of out of all the like best friends in high school and everything like that, and um, you know other college buddies and just other friends I have, you, you know, you know so much more about baseball um, than everyone else. So you know, really want to pump your ego up here, but at the same point, um, you know, I, I it is true. Um, y- you know, I'm able to talk more freely with you about baseball and everything else yeah. too. So you know. I gotta ask you. Here's, Growing up in St. Louis and being around the Cardinals, that's, right? That's just you know something I've developed. Right, right. So the the million dollar question I gotta ask you here is is are the Cardinals winning the World Series this year? Are you asking Alexi the fan of the Cardinals, or are you asking Alexi the realist? <laughs> well, see, like if you ask me, hey Calvin, are the uh, Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl this year. I'm a huge fan of the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm still going to be honest with you. So I'm asking you kind of from that perspective. Okay. You know, I, I'd love to say that I, 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 no matter what happens this year, I'm going to I'm gonna believe they're going to win the World Series because that's how I am as a fan. But if you're going to ask me that million-dollar question and I have to give you the most honest answer, I'm going to say no. Um, I think there's just too many talented teams ahead of us that – we could we could we can compete with I mean we can we can compete with anybody in baseball but in terms of winning at all I, I just don't see it um, but we do have a talented team and uh, yeah we're we definitely could do it in a couple of years but if you want me to go off of that I can or ask me anything else with the, within that well well what do you, what makes you excited for the future like why do you say in a couple of years yeah well the biggest thing is we look, we look like we have a great pitcher in Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Flaherty is only 23, 24 years old, and the guy is a stud. He's just won NL Player of the Month um, for the pitcher position. And, of course, we got Paul Goldschmidt in the offseason and signed him to a five-year extension. So um, there's, there's a lot of promise regarding you know, a big thumper in the, in the middle of the order. And then of course, Jack Flaherty atop the rotation, a young arm. So if we can go out in the off season and bolster up even more, uh, we, we have young guys, we have, you know, a mix of young and old that I think just, you know, connects together. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, I, I think that we're closer than we've ever been. Um, we're always in it, you know, the past three years we've, we've, uh, failed to make the playoffs but it's only been by a couple games and to be honest we had mediocre teams but i think uh recently you know we just got the young guys just started picking it up more uh the pitching you know i'm skeptical on the starting pitching at times but you know overall i think the team's in a good place and if we can just make a good move in the offseason to bolster up like i said 
I think there's a, an exciting future. All right. Well, I mean, I, I guess the follow-up question of that is, is that when I think of the Cardinals right now, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, I used to think of Albert Pujols, you know, uh, Matt Carpenter, you know, those kind of guys. Um, gosh, uh, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting who it is now. And, uh, yeah, Matt Holliday, of course. But Jim Edmonds. Yeah, Jim Edmonds as well. David Freeze for a little bit, especially in the World Series there. But yeah, yeah. the 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 one guy I think of right now when I think of the Cardinals is is you know the man behind the whole defense, Yadier Molina. Eventually, he he will need to retire. I mean, we're seeing guys in the NBA in Major League Baseball, but you know in the NFL as well, having prolonged careers way past their expected kind of. You know, career cycle, but I got to think Yadier Molina. You know, I mean, he's not like it's not like he's playing first base every other game either. Calvin. He's still seeing a catcher. I mean, wh- what do you what are you kind of thinking with him, Calvin? You know what I say? I think about this every single day, and I I text my friends, I text my dad, and I I say, how in the hell is Yadier Molina still doing this at his age and with all the innings he's caught in his career? I mean, I'm serious. I, I'm not being biased. I'm not. I'm not being the Cardinal fan I am, and saying, oh my gosh, Yadier Molina is good no matter what he does. No, the guy is continuing to put up numbers every single year, even when, like I said, he's what, 30? I think he's 38 years old. I have my phone out right here. I just want to double-check that because I don't want to be wrong. Um, let me check. Super close. He's 37. One second. By 37, okay. He's 37 years old, and like I said, he's caught all those innings in his career. He has nine Gold Glove awards. I mean – and there's still people out there who will say, oh, is Yadier Molina a Hall of Famer? Sorry, is he a Hall of Famer? Why is that question being why is that question being asked? I just don't understand. The guy is unreal every single year. Like I said, there, there's catchers out there that can't even catch every single day. And I mean, Molina's just outlasted them. Like Buster Posey, obviously one of the best catchers that has played baseball, but like he doesn't even catch every single day, and, and and if he plays, he sometimes plays first base. So, I mean, Molina, I don't know what he does in the offseason. He must do have he must have some secret training that he goes out and does. But um, I mean, it's 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 pretty cool to see. Uh, speaking of Molina, he has been on a tear. He was uh, on the, he was on the IL a couple weeks ago uh, for at least a month, and since he's been back, he's been great. He's helped the team. Um, and man, I, I don't want to see him go ever. I mean, the way Molina is, I, I don't ever see him slowing down and, and it's crazy. Well, the, I guess the one thing with his retirement that comes up in my head is, is that growing up, I, I took this driving tour with my dad. We went and saw a bunch of other, um, teams or so when I was, you know, when I was younger, but it was right around like the 05, 06 year or so. I think it was like the summer of 2005, if I'm right. But on that trip, we saw a lot of teams. We saw the Twins a bunch. We saw the Detroit Tigers, White Sox, Cubs, Cardinals. Uh, I think we saw the uh, saw the Blue Jays, the Yankees, all all these different types of teams, right? And the other catcher that I was always really interested in was Joe Mauer. And the the reason why I ask you about Molina is that Joe Mauer, I don't I don't think he retired early. Um, he did retire at age thirty six, but I don't think he retired early at all. And the guy retired one year before the Twins basically when, I mean, they have hit the most home runs in Major League history, I believe, in the season um, this year. And Maurer, you know, Maurer's the last 
he's the best player the Twins had previously. Um, you know that I can remember in, in my lifetime, only twenty six years, of course. But Mauer retired after fifteen years in Major League Baseball. This is Molina's fifteenth year. Do you think that there is? Yeah, after this year, he maybe hangs it up or, you know, and says, hey, you know what, Zed, or, or anything like that? Yeah, you you make a good point. Um, Maurer was great. I, I grew up watching him, too. He was awesome. Uh, what pretty much took him out of the game was all those concussions he had. And and even at the end of his career, he was pre- pretty much playing first base. But uh, to go off that Molina question, so he does have a contract signed through next year. And... I believe that that would be the the final the final year of his deal. Now he has said if he if he feels like he can't play anymore and he can't help the team, then he's just going to retire. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. He doesn't want, he doesn't need to prove anything else. So I'm thinking if he's if he's still you know putting up solid numbers as a catcher like he is now, and he has shown nothing in slowing down, I think the Cardinals will keep him around. Um, do they play him every day and as much as they have in the past couple of years, that's where I can see them, you know, kind of, kind of limiting him to some games, maybe helping one of our, our, um, our future backstops coming up. Um, Andrew, I, I'm sorry if I get his name pronounced wrong. Kinsler, um, I believe that's how you say it, but he's one of our guys that we have coming up. And I think Molina in a perfect situation, Molina could be there, catch three to four games a week, and mentor him, and just make him feel comfortable. Because Molina's that kind of guy; he can help. He can help a guy feel comfortable. He can. He's like that manager in the dugout that's not the manager. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a that's a really cool trait about Molina. And uh, the Cardinals are really fortunate to have. So I think, my, my opinion, if he if he keeps up doing what he is, I think the Cardinals will give him a year year-by-year contract until he feels like he's done and if he wants to give it up. So that's just my my opinion on that. Yeah, I I, I got to think that, you know, he, he – he, oh, Grant, I'm not a huge Cardinals fan, so I'm going to agree with you here and, you know, say my personal opinion's the same. But honestly, I don't know any better. And Molina's just been – his name's been synonymous with the franchise for the past 15 years. You know, he's done really, really well. He had – Early success with the Cardinals when he came in, and then of course they, you know, won a World Series um, when he's been there and stuff too. So, and I, I believe also with the same kind of thing of you know your your pitchers are going to have a lot of success when your catcher is good. You know, good at framing pitches, all that type of stuff. A lot of that goes into it, and it's I'm sure there's a baseball stat for because there's a stat for everything in baseball, but it's um. It is really one of those like cool things of you know Molina's just been in the league since pretty much since I've been watching you know since fourth grade. So I know awesome. it's it's so crazy. Yeah, well, um, so, I also want to ask you about the division though. So real quick, you, real quick. Yeah, don't go, don't go in full detail. Just a simple yes or no. As of what you've seen and what I've said, and does anything not you're not the Cardinals fan? Is Yadier Molina Hall of Famer to you? Yeah, I don't know why not. I I think especially with Major League Baseball, there this is true with getting getting to be more and more true with all sports, is that with Major League Baseball, if if you do so well in your profession, right, I think no matter what you're going to you're going to be there. Like, um, is Yadier Molina did he have a better or worse career than Vladimir Guerrero? 
Sorry, can you say that again? I yeah. Didn't hear did, that. Who had a who had a better career uh, so far? If if Molina's career ends after this season, who had a better career so far, uh, Vlad Guerrero or Yadier Molina? Well, offensively, for sure, I would say Vlad. For sure, but but Molina's just been he's he's been consistent with his overall game, and I think that's something that he's dominated his 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 position. His whole career, and like I said, nine gold gloves. That doesn't just happen for mm-hmm. random guys. That's that's total domination. So I think everybody, you have to look at it like that, and and realize that Molina's Molina's doing it like that. But he can also, you know, he's clutch, man. That guy is clutch. He gets big hits at big times. He's a great situational hitter. So um, that's when when they're voting for those, those that kind of player, they need to look at the all around game and the situations that that player was in. So. Well, and I, I got to think as well, if you have almost a decade's worth of a gold glove award, which is the best in your position, right, then how are you not a Hall of Famer? I mean, that that is the right. thing that comes through in my head is that, you know, okay, Joe Maurer's a Hall of Famer. Well, you know what? Joe Maurer's in the AL, and I'm comparing him to Yadier Molina in the NL. I understand that. But at the same point, like... You know, both these guys, let's say, both play 15 years. Maurer is, I think, a first ballot Hall of Famer by all accounts. I don't know why Molina wouldn't be if you're measuring him against each other, right? I, I know Maurer had more, um, you know, offensively, but... Yeah, for sure. But but Molina's... I think Molina, you kind of see the stats and you go, uh, and then you realize, you know, of the awards and the recognition he's gotten throughout his career, and you go, okay, yeah, sure, no matter what, first ballot. I don't... I wonder who – what I always wonder whenever you ask a question to somebody like this, it's like, well, if Molina's not, then who it, Then who in your mind replaces him, right? Who in your mind is? Where is that barrier? You know, where is that like, oh, Molina's not a you know a first ballot or second ballot. He's not even a Hall of Famer. Okay, well, then where does the line stop for you? You know, because if, you know, there's, there's got to be somewhere, in the, you know, somewhere that, you know, someone else says – Oh well, actually, I don't think I don't think he is because here's why, and I'd love to hear that explanation. You know, generally you got to back it up with some explanation, not just say no. I don't think he is. That's it. You know, you got to have an explanation to back it up. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. For sure. Well, I also, of course, um, want to ask you about the rest of the National League here. So, who, which team has? I mean, I know the Dodgers last year in the World Series. Cardinals every year are close to playoff contention. I know they missed the past couple years, but you know are close or almost there. Is there a team that's kind of you know caught your eye that's you know really doing really well so far in the National League that you didn't think would do so well? You you cut out again at the end. Sorry. Oh yeah, which of the nat- which National League team do you think has um, been you know kind of kind of come out of nowhere this year? You know what? I'm actually. <laughs> It's it's hard because I've liked them and I've and I thought that they could be good, but I didn't think they could be this good. And that's the Washington Nationals. You know they have talent, so don't get me wrong. They have so much talent. They have Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin atop that rotation. That those three guys are that's a, some of the three best pitchers in baseball. Now they lost Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. but I mean they like I said they still have talent. They have Juan Soto. The guy's twenty years old. He can't even. He may walk into a bar right now and order a drink. And this guy is probably their best player on the team. Future of the Washington Nationals franchise, absolutely. I mean, they have so much talent. They have Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, um, Victor Robles in center field. They have they have talent all over the, the place. And I 
they started out really slow, and everybody knows that in baseball. April and May was was terrible. Actually, middle of May is when they went on their run. I think I, that that would still be my most surprising team at how well they've done this year. Because you know, when you lose a big superstar like Bryce Harper, you don't know how guys are going to react, and and you might think, well, are, are, does does the does the organization believe in us? Do the fans believe in us? We just lost our best player. Well, they've definitely proved that they're one of the best teams in baseball, and they can definitely make some noise in the playoffs if they get. Right now, they're going to be playing that wild card game, so it is a toss up. Obviously, anything could happen in one game. But if they make the playoffs and get into that division series, I really, really, really think that they can make some noise because of their pitching and their um, offense. Now, I will say their bullpen is very, very shaky. It, at times, can be awful. And um, mm-hmm. I just feel I feel like that team can just make, it, make some noise. But like I said, the bullpen, uh, at times, can be terrible. Um, so that's my that's my kind of out of nowhere team. Other than that, the Braves were obviously supposed to be good. Dodgers are dominating as usual, and then you got the Cardinals and Cubs. They're obviously supposed to be good too. So, um, yeah, the Nationals would be that team that I was I'm pretty surprised about that you know continued that success that many many may, maybe thought they weren't going to do. So, you know, I, I I I do agree. I did not think the Nationals would do, especially as well as they've done this year. Uh, after losing their superstar player in Bryce Harper. But the team, at least for me, is the New York Mets. I think that, of course, Pete Alonso's probably going to win NL Rookie of the Year now, um, especially that, you know, the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. is out for the rest of the year. But, man, it, it seems like to me, though, that, you know, Pete Alonso and, the you know, really the Mets have just come onto the scene and come out of nowhere when I when I thought this would be a year that they would just be really selling everyone at the trade deadline. You know, they ended up hanging on to their guys, Senegar and DeGrom, and they've pitched really well. Granted, they're not, you know, in place to win the division and they're still fighting for a wild card spot, but I really thought they would be like bottom of the bottom of the NL. You know, I no, didn't No, yeah, you're totally right. The Mets surprised me too when they went on that run after the All-Star break. I still think they have a I have a couple holes in the lineup and in the bullpen, obviously. But man, with that starting rotation, you can you can go anywhere with that. But like I said, the, the holes are what's going to probably hold them back from from making the playoffs, and I don't see them making it. But yes, very surprising team this year. Um, it'll be exciting to see what they do in the off season to maybe make that better, and hopefully make hopefully for their franchise make the playoffs next year. Yeah, I, definitely and. Yeah, you know, if the if the rookie can get better, right, not have a second year kind of slump, which I think is I think in baseball is largely in fact in, largely in fact to teams get more tape on you. You know, I think that's true across all sports. Is that your rookie year you can do amazing, but then the second year it's kind of oh this is how this guy does in this system. Baseball, you know, oh this is the one pitch that we, if we pitch to him like this, it's gonna. You know, it really drives them crazy, and then the then all of a sudden the guy's trying to adjust in year two in the middle of the season, and I mean, I mean, there's just equal equal parts that you know Alonso could be doing really well next year too, and have a, even a better season than this season. But at the same point, like I, I I'm I'm curious to see how the Mets get better in you know next year with all their guys and and like you said, fill the holes and improving the off season too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Awesome. Well, um, maybe we won't. Maybe we won't agree on something here, but um, 
you know, as far as the uh, NL West goes, I know we've been talking a little bit here, and you know I'm a Padres fan, but what, as an outsider, what do you think about the San Diego Padres this year? And, you know, they're at least on pace to do better this yeah. year than last year for sure. You know, the Padres were an interesting team to me. Uh, they came in, they have obviously loads of, of young talent, um, tons of top prospects. And, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of times they brought up those guys early and gave them exposure to the league, and I think that's great. I think if you can give these guys, you know, that time to get into the big leagues and, and give them experience, that's going to help them in the long run. Now, I understand there's, there's some guys who just simply aren't ready. Um, but I think the Padres show that they have some guys that are ready. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., man, he, before he got hurt, he was one of the, the, the most fun players to watch in baseball. And um, that's exciting for baseball to have a guy like that. Uh, hopefully he recovers and uh, comes back with a healthy season next year. But um, yeah, the Padres they've got they've got a nice rotation. I like that Chris Paddock guy. Um, he seems like he could be solid and and give them uh, some good years of pitching. I do think though, this is this is something I've always believed that every prospect for your team is not going to come out and be great. Not every prospect is going to come out and be that guy you want them to be. And right. this, that's just reality. The Cardinals have had many guys like that. Multiple teams have guys like that. So if I'm the Padres. I'm looking this offseason to to go out and make some moves. Keep the guys you truly believe in, like obviously Fernando Tatis Jr., Chris Paddock, a couple other guys. But if there's guys down there that you can get something for, like proven talent, I always say trade prospects for proven talent because that proven talent is gonna is gonna be there for you and it's a guarantee. Whereas those prospects, it's it's a flip of coin, really. You don't you never know with those guys. So I think the Padres have a lot of talent and they should Take that, trade some pieces, make that even better. I think the Padres can be a good team if they, if they do that kind of um, kind of thing in the offseason. So, well, I, I'm going to argue with a little bit on that one because you know the White Sox learned don't trade James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, and and but I, I mean, in some points though, I, I do agree. I mean, you know, you you want to take in every sport, you want to take. You know, take proven talent over a draft pick. Take proven talent over, you know, over an asset that is, you know, unproven, right? You know, over, you know, a prospect in the minors that's hitting 400 and all of a sudden comes out to the major leagues and he can't hit a curveball that's being thrown 85 when in the minors he only saw it at 80, you know, and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And one thing I will say is, is Chris Paddock has come a long way um, this season. I think he's only getting better as he faces you know, more and more opponents, you know, every single day. He already had Tommy John surgery, which I, mean, I, I think is good that he got that knocked out of the way, I guess. But, you know, I, none of the Padres going to keep him at an innings count and really a pitch count this season. And his, he may not be playing too many more games this year, just to be careful with that, which is good. Um, you know, would love to see Fernando Tatis Jr. just incredibly healthy for a whole year and hopefully kind of, Whatever happened with his back this year, you know, towards the, you know, in the month of August, at least. And shutting him down, hopefully makes sure he'll be 110% for training camp next year. And, you know, I mean, have the norm amount of off days would be good. And the one guy I want to talk about that I think before this season, everyone was talking about. But because Tatis Jr. has been there and is overshadowed as Manny Machado, his defense has been insanely good this season. His offense, yeah, isn't the best in the entire world. San Diego faces a lot of good pitchers in their division, though. You know, Zach Greinke, you know, before he got traded to the Astros. 
Um, but of course, Kershaw, you know, a bunch of other guys to the Dodgers. And, you know, I know the, you know, the Rockies don't have a ton of great talent arm wise, but then again, like Machado's having to adjust to, you know, playing NL for a full season when he's used to playing AL for with the Orioles. Of course, he played NL for half a season last year, but, you know, adjusting that more and more as well too, kind of facing what I would say is better, better pitchers day in, day out versus the AL teams. And, I don't know, man. I'm just really, really a big Machado fan. I really like all the guys the Padres brought up this year, and I'm excited to see how, like, who comes out of, you know, Ty, Ty France is one of the guys who has been up to replace Tatis Jr. Um, Luis Urias has also been up this year to kind of be that second baseman instead of Ian Kinsler. Um, you know, he's playing a little bit of shortstop here and there as well. Cause that's where he played. That's where he played in the minors. Um, two, of course, that's Tatis Jr.'s normal position, which he'll be playing, you know, day in, day out when he's healthy and everything. But the, the one thing I will say is, is that the Padres have what seems to be a perpetually crowded outfield. And I'm curious to see how that shakes out of there's guys who were good, um, but not great. You know, they traded, um, Fran Mill Reyes, who is basically a designated hitter for any AL team. You know, he's a bigger guy, not not a huge plus on defense at all. Actually, a little bit of a minus, but a huge plus on offense. And they got in, they got instead back for him, Taylor Trammell, who is one of the Indians' best prospects overall. Who's having kind of a slump this year, though, which is why the Padres are get him for Fran Mill Reyes. And... I just, I don't know how good, like, all the prospects are going to be for the Padres. You know, Manuel Margot is, like, the number one prospect for the Padres. And he plays exceptionally good defense, but he's not. And he steals bases like no other, you know, once he gets on base. But he's not, he's not a world, you know, hitter. And I don't think I don't expect him to be. But he's just not killing it, you know, getting on base and stuff. And Austin Hedges. Amazing catcher, really good defensively, but the same kind of thing. Does not get on base, does not produce a lot of hits for a team that, you know, is just working through, um, you know, bringing up guys from the minors and bringing up pitching prospects. We don't have, like, an ace in our rotation yet. You know, Eric Lauer's the best, you know, guy, I would say, in the rotation. And that's because whenever we play the Dodgers, he usually wins, and he usually has pretty good luck against them. But, well... While the Padres are trying to figure out starting pitching, you know, and then get the bullpen and everything all good to go, the hitting has really got to be able to help out. And there's just a couple of guys in the outfield. There's a couple of guys, you know, Hosmer had like a really bad June, you know, not the greatest July either. But, you know, he seemingly has had a better, you know, better couple of weeks recently. So it just... I'm curious to see when the Padres offense, everything like that starts clicking all together. And then that would, I would hope would help out the, you know, the defense, but really the pitching, you know, and I'm sorry, I've gone on a little bit of a rant here, but I'm excited to see like what happens and how good the Padres can be when, you know, when, um, you know, all these guys, Mackenzie Gore, who's like the number third overall, pro- the number three overall prospect in all of baseball right now, once he comes up, you know, in the majors, which is hopefully next season or so, I'm curious to see how he does against major league talent hitting wise too, um, as a, as a left-handed pitcher. So it's, it's a lot of kind of like wait and see stuff for the Padres and they have time. A lot of these guys are rookies, they're young guys, they have them on, 
you know, contract for a while. I got Machado for another nine years after this one. Um, you know, another four years before Machado could even opt out. But I'm curious to see how it all works out. Still there? I'll lose you. I'm here. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, was just gonna say, yeah. Uh, um, sorry, my my mic was muted. I uh, oh, just wanted yeah. to say, yeah, I, I I think the Padres have a lot of promise um, and a lot of excitement for the organization, a lot of young talent, and of course, um, with the offseason signing of Manny Machado, I think that's uh, I think that's gonna help them out and it's gonna be um, big for them in the next couple of years. So, yeah, I guess it uh, should be good for the Padres and everything like that as well, but. Hey, I know we're also, you know, both you and I are both uh, big Oklahoma State fans as well. The first Oklahoma State football game was a road game this season, an away game at Pac-12 opponent um, Oregon State, who proved to not put up too much of a fight at all. And going into the game, of course, you know, worry about the first game of the season with quarterback not being starting quarterback not being chosen yet, and it being a you know. Away game, but also against a Pac-12 type opponent. That's another Power Five team, and also you know being a, a late one on a Friday. You know, kind of like all those the kind of factors go together, and you go, man, I'm not sure how we're going to do. And then Oklahoma State did really, really well. What were your takeaways from Friday night's game? Yeah, I think I think Oklahoma State was awesome. Um, I, I was a little questionable. I, I I didn't know what to expect from. Um, Spencer Sanders, but you know, the offense did what the offense does every year and they put up points. Look, watching Hubbard was so fun. I mean, that guy broke tackles. He, he's quick. He makes moves. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch him all year. And if college football doesn't know who he is, they'll definitely know who he is by the end of the season. Um, Tylen Wallace obviously put up a nice game. I mean, I think all around, this was a good first game. It's never it's never easy to go on the road and win. I don't care who you play. It, it's always there's always gonna be challenges. You're not at your home. You're not comfortable. So I think it was nice to get a, a road win against. Uh, I wouldn't say Oregon State's good, but it's not you know a Division three college that you're playing week two or something like McNeese State. So I like that we at least played somebody solid um, from a from a well known conference. Um, the defense that's that's obviously my going to be my biggest question this year. And that's going to be everybody's question, I'm sure, because Oklahoma State never struggles to score. I mean, they're a high-powering scoring offense every single year. But it's that defense, man. It's it's the defense that needs to just take a step forward and and prove that the Big 12 defense is actually good. Like we we need to just go out and make a statement for once and 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 have games where it's not 50 to 50 because of our defense. But I, I will say that the, the style of play is, is different compared to other conferences. Um, but another thing I, I, I will say this from the, from the, from the game on, on defense, there was times where I was like, okay, in these situations, this is where you learn to make the plays when it's third and long. And in, in recent years, there were so many times where we would give up a first down after it being like third and t- third and 10 or third and 12 or anything like that. And I still saw plays like that happen in this game where we were giving up long third downs. And that's something that we need to absolutely figure out before we play the big teams like Oklahoma and Texas, because I mean, you're not going to win games if you're, if you're giving teams many chances to keep coming out and, and trying to score. So 
Um, overall, I thought I thought we looked good. I think I think we'll definitely be better than last year. Um, I'm really excited about Spencer Sanders and of course um, Hubbard back back at it for a full year as a running back. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm really excited for this season. I think think it'll be a fun one, and um, I'll give I'll give my prediction a little later on how I think we'll finish. But um, that's my takeaways from that game. Gotcha. Okay. Well, my my main takeaway was my main takeaway, I guess, is 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 Spencer Sanders good? That that is my question going forward. Uh, I think he proved that he is a decent starting quarterback, but. Oregon State's not a great defense. You know, there were multiple times on replays that I've seen and you know, during the game and stuff like that, too, where Sanders was able to just kind of roll out of the pocket and find yards, you know, and it seemed like that either the offensive, either offensive scheme um, or just the setup of the whole, you know, setup of the whole offense, period, was easy enough for him that he was able to make the right decision. And I don't know how that's going to be when we do face, you know, a West Virginia defense, which is a little bit better. It's going to be better than Oregon State. You know, really the rest of the defenses we face this year that are going to be in conference are going to be better than Oregon State's, in my opinion. Maybe KU's won't be as tough as Oregon State's, and maybe K-State, maybe it's Tech or, you know, whoever. But it seems like no matter who we face this year, they're going to be better than Oregon State. So I'd look for Sanders to... You improve week after week, but at the same point, like, he's, he's a redshirt freshman quarterback. You know, I don't think the expectations are going to be insane for him. I don't think I should have huge expectations for him, but we'll see how the other playmakers on the Oklahoma State offense, like, help him out. You know, like, Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard are amazing. They showed up in game one. They proved to be amazing. As you said, Hubbard ran the ball like no other. You know, there were you know, people tweeting about the Oklahoma State offense. Um, you know, Reggie Bush was one of them, and others as well, too, that they were already getting a little bit of notoriety, whereas I think that by the end of the season, like you said, Alexi, everyone's going to know, you know who these Oklahoma State guys are. But my biggest takeaway is, is you know, it's kind of the, the key question of, I'm not saying this is a quarterback you know, battle. I'm not saying, oh, maybe Drew Brown, nothing like that, but... It looked like the game came super easy to Spencer Sanders, and I'm curious if that was just because we're facing a Pac-12 defense that is one of the worst defenses in Power 5 overall, or if this was a Spencer Sanders is pretty darn good, and you know, it'll just be a little bit longer before we realize it. I mean, there, I don't necessarily want to just sum it up too quick and just gloss over the fact that Spencer Sanders had a good game. He had a really, really good game, don't get me wrong. But there were some replays I saw where there were three guys, you know, out in the middle of the field and throwing sidelines, all type of stuff, and they were just all wide open, you know. So that makes me nervous when I see, oh, Spencer Sanders is great, he's awesome, he's perfect, he's whatsoever. I'm just saying, let's just take a step back, pump the brakes a little bit, see how he plays, you know. He should beat McNeese State. Oklahoma State should kill him. It shouldn't be a comp- competition, really, just because... I think we're even we're probably paying them to come play us or whatever for the kind of a non-conference game, but I'm curious to see how, yeah, you know, how he plays against Tulsa and everyone else. You know, <laughs> the rest of the season, how much better Sanders gets the whole season. But let's let's just pump the brakes a little bit on, especially the people on Twitter saying, 
oh, yeah, would you rather have him or Jalen Hurts? That is not a question right now. As an Oklahoma State fan, of course I love my team, but yes, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts, who has only lost like two or three games till career over a retro freshman quarterback who's going to play his second game this weekend. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's it's way too early to start assuming that he's going to be some great Heisman quarterback or something. But I, I will say I am excited for him. I think um, he was, obviously is one of our top prospects or uh, top recruits that we we got out of Texas, and well, I think believe he's a four star. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, four star out of Texas. So I mean, there's there's potential to to be a great quarterback. But yes, it is early. Um, let's let's wait till we we see him play the big the big boys but i will say i i am excited about it i like that he's a dual threat i think that'll help a lot uh being able to throw and run but yeah i i really like this team i think uh we have a lot of potential to uh, make some noise so yeah i do too i i gotta ask you now do you have you know kind of prediction of how we, how at least we do in the big 12 you know no. do, you, do you think yes. we finish top five or what are you thinking i actually think we'll finish top four top four okay i, I think I, I, as much as I want to put them first, I think obviously it'll be OU Texas right there, one and two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I could see us even getting three because I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not big on Iowa State, and I'm not going to go on a full blast about them, but I just feel like we're the better overall team. They lost a lot of guys on offense. I know they lost Montgomery, uh, their running back. Um, obviously, the defense is pretty good, but I just think I, I don't see like a clear cut number three team in the Big Twelve that. Like like I said, you said you have OU in Texas, but who's that number three team? I think that's going to be the big, the big um, question at the end of the season, and we see who it is. I mean, I, I feel like it could be four or five teams um, to get that three through like seven to eight spot. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I, you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm going to say they finished top three, top three in, in in the Big Twelve this year. Wow. All right. I and you know what you know why I say that too because I was actually looking at their schedule the other day and I have it pulled up so obviously they have McNeese State there that's that's number two win mm-hmm. and then they'll play Tulsa that should be number three hopefully right and then if you look at it hard matchup at Texas that'll be difficult we play well there so we could get a win who knows but probably a loss and then for the rest of the time until really OU. The, the, the schedule is not terrible. Like you're at home against K State, you're on the road against Tech. Tech's supposed to have a, uh, more of a down year than than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor at home, we should be able to win that game. I feel like at Iowa State, that'll be tough, but I think we can we can take Iowa State there. At home against TCU, that should be a win in my opinion. At home against Kansas, obvious win. West Virginia, I think they might finish ninth they they looked really bad against james madison this weekend i don't know if you saw that but they looked really bad and lost a lot including their coach so i'm not big on west virginia at all and then the game against ou so um i i, I look at our schedule i don't see anything crazy that sticks out so yeah, I I I am going to personally predict we're top four. I don't see I I see Iowa State having a very tough schedule this year, but I I just going into Ames has always been weird. The twenty that twenty twelve season or whatever still or twenty eleven season, excuse me, still like kind of haunts me in my mind of 
you know, when we went there, and it's never an easy place to play. I think I would say only gets better the rest of the season, and I would say they, yes, they should have beaten Northern Iowa by a lot more than they did. Yes, it should have been all that, but I do believe that that Northern Iowa opponent had a lot of, you know, a lot of those, you know, kids and stuff like that were being hyped up the day of the game and everything, too, by their by their head coach by Northern Iowa in the same state, all that type of stuff. So, I think Iowa State will rebound. I think they'll be better, and I think Oklahoma State will lose. Will lose to Texas. You know, it's at Texas. They're top ten in the country. They sh- they have a guy. You know, who I'm not crazy about their quarterback, but you know, UT should have a good year this year. I'm I'm not saying we're going to beat them, especially for one of the first game for the first game we have against Big Twelve opponent. You know, and then the last game against OU that we have this season, regular season. I'm going to chalk that up as a loss, unfortunately, as well. Of course, I love to say we're going to win, but I just I got to look realistically. OU looked like they were just killing Houston. And you know what? Houston falls in the same bracket as Oregon State. They're not a good defensive team either. But I only think I only can think OU is going to get better. So the Texas and OU games, I'm just chalking up as losses for Oklahoma State. And then I think we had lose at at least the Iowa State game, if not one more as well. And I think that one more could be, you know, a, a weird game against Texas Tech, who I know is supposed to have down here, but it's an away game. It's in Lubbock. And it's kind of, you know, maybe we're looking past it towards, you know, the Baylor game or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, maybe it's West Virginia. I know they didn't look good week one, but still that West, you know, playing the Morgantown's also very odd. <laughs> You know, as well, too. So, who knows, man? I, I just I have a hard time putting us, you know. I, I think I think at the end of the day, Oakland State's really good this year. But I have a hard time putting us as, like, number three overall. I just think, you know, some team like, you know, probably Iowa State. That's probably what I'm saying for sure. I think Iowa State's probably going to be the team that, um, you know, knocks us off. And, you know, um, there's number three overall in the Big 12. Yeah, not fair to, you know, agree with what you want, but um, I'm just excited for college football. It's finally back. Uh, looking forward to all these, all these meaningful games, and uh, especially this weekend. I think there's some really good ones. I think Texas and LSU is this weekend. That's yeah, exciting. That's a really really good game. I'm excited for that one for sure. Yes. Um. Let's see what else. I think there are, and there are a couple more games this um yeah, this weekend too, but. That really, I'm really I'm focused on the Texas, <laughs> um, you know LSU one. To be honest, though, that's that's gonna be a really good game. And I know I've got a lot of people who are, you know, of course got you know got friends who are Texas fans. I'm sure you do too. That are like, oh yeah, let's you know let's go. It should be awesome whatsoever. And yeah, I mean, I mean I'm I'm rooting for Big Twelve to win. To be honest, I'm tired of hearing about how the Big Ten's always so great every single year and they don't make it in the college football playoffs or they do and they get like blown out, you know? So it's oh, just, yeah, for sure. I, I think honestly, if we're ranking like, um, for ranking conferences, you know, in college football, it's still SEC number one, you know, just kind of, that's where they're at. And then top to bottom, it's hard for me to put ACC over big 12, to be honest, just ACC has 14 teams. And yeah, I know North Carolina beat South Carolina this past weekend, but like, you look through, I mean, is it, do you remember the Wake Forest game? Do you remember, you know, a couple of these other teams, all type of stuff as well? And, 
you know, SEC still up there, even though Missouri lost um, this past weekend to Wyoming, but that one was at Wyoming. I'm willing to say that's kind of a weird one. And ACC, it's kind of hard top to bottom, but I guess I'll put them there just because they do have Clemson. They always have Clemson. Clemson won the national title. But I think Big 12 is the third best conference, you know, overall in college football. Do you want to agree with me on that one or kind of debate a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it gets overlooked a lot. If you look at, I mean, obviously the SEC is good, but look at the teams that, like, Mizzou lost to Wyoming and um, Tennessee lost to Georgia State. I mean, are we, are we kind of overlooking? Are the SEC a little overrated at times? I mean, obviously it's good. I'm not going to say it's not, but are we, are we kind of over overhyping it a little bit, like, every year? Because those teams should never lose to, you know, like I said, a Wyoming or a Georgia State. I don't care what the circumstances those teams should not lose. So, I mean, the Big 12 is definitely, like, right there. I don't I don't see anything where they shouldn't be top three in the in the college, in college football in terms of leagues. Uh, and year in, year out, you got OU battling for a Final Four spot. Texas probably will be there this year trying to make it. And then, um, I don't know, you just have a lot of consistency in the Big 12, I feel like. So, to me, it's the most exciting conference to watch. Uh, I love the style of play and and fast pace. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely love the Big Twelve for sure. I just, and you know, and I'm with you. I think the SEC East has really fallen off, and they have Georgia, and that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much it, I guess. You know, Florida didn't look great, and then, like you said, Tennessee and Missouri both lost. You know, for on week one when. If you're a really good conference, you know, you should be winning week one unless you're facing, a, you know, <laughs> a power five opponent. But then again, like, you know, Auburn, you know, beat Oregon. So I don't know. It's hard to hard for me to knock the SEC all the time as, of course, that is my favorite team to knock against. And, you know, favorite conference, excuse me, to say, oh, they suck. This is why, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I guess, I guess they're not that bad, you know, necessarily. It's just kind of... I don't know. Maybe, maybe at the, uh, maybe here we'll connect back in like a month or so and we'll go through, you know, eat, you know, like halfway through the culture bowl season, we'll go through each conference and each team and kind of go rank them and go, okay, here's their one loss record. Here's why the losses mattered or didn't. Here's why the wins mattered or didn't. And that's it, you know, and go through there. Cause right now we're in week one, you know, and I love to talk about culture ball. I love to talk about, you know, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, but, I don't know. We, you know, of course, more will be. You know, we'll learn more here in a minute, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I can definitely hear you. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's early. Anything could happen, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see what happens throughout the season and uh, who the who the real teams are and who's not. So. Yeah, and uh, one thing's for sure. I'm currently trying to figure out if I'm going to go. Back to uh, back to Stillwater for the OU game or um, the Kansas game. Those are kind of the two I'm looking at right now. But it looks like, uh, gosh, flights directly from Detroit to uh, Stillwater are actually not too bad to be honest. Nice, um, which is good. Yeah, to that's see. exciting. But but yeah, it's just straight to Stillwater. It's like, I mean, it's not it's not cheap. I will say that. Um, <laughs> but it's not Definitely. too expensive either. It's still flying, you know. I'm sure my connection's in Dallas or something, right? Be, but 
it is for homecoming i'll tell you that much it's homecoming of the cheapest flight it's like 650 bucks but um which is insane but (laughs) anyways um were were there any other kind of college football thoughts you know week one you had um not really i mean usually the first week you see a lot of big teams playing small teams so nothing really stood out to me um i think i think we'll we'll start to get a feeling in about week three week four when teams you know like like like, like texas and lsu play this week i think you'll you'll see a lot about that but besides there's not too many crazy big matchups um early on but once it hits conf- conference time then there'll be some big ones and uh that'll be the exciting time where you'll see the teams come out and like i said you'll see who's for real and who's not so yeah for sure well, hey, uh, we'll end it out here on this one, Alexi. I know we're both huge NFL fans as well here. Who's your team, and how are they going to do this year? Who's my team? Well, yeah. you know. And they're St. Louis guys, uh, and they lost a, the Rams. Yeah. So. I, I wish I could say I had a team, you know, like the Rams, but I don't, and I'm not rooting for them. So, I don't know. I, I don't really have a team, to be honest. I don't root for one specific team. Obviously, I'll root for my fantasy teams. That's like the most fun I have mm-hmm. on Sundays when I'm when I'm just watching my guys play. But I don't know. I, I think it's exciting. I think the Chiefs obviously are exciting to watch. Um, they have so many guys on offense that can just go crazy, like Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, etc. Everybody knows about those guys. Um, but um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are. Not, I mean, obviously, the Packers are never a team that people overlook. But I don't know. I just feel like they'll be better this year with a with a new coach. Um, so, I, and I'm not a Packers fan at all. I'm just giving my opinion. I think I think they'll turn it around and be better this year. Um, I think I think they improved on defense as well. And like I said, getting a new coach really does change things because um, Greg Greg McCarthy is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, Mike McCarthy. Mike, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, uh, the the former Packers coach. I mean, he was there for at least seven, eight years or whatever it was, and you know that that that's a long time. And and some guys, you know, don't buy into the, the coach all those times. So I think bringing a new coach was good for them, and I think the Packers will will make some noise and be a top team in the NFC this season. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have a team. Uh, I just wanted to give my opinion on on those two, though. For sure. Well, I I will say this. I I think most listeners by now know that I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I think I said that earlier in the podcast, actually, tonight. But huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, Of course, I'm a fan of Oklahoma State players. I'm a fan of the Ravens because of Justice Hill or, you know, the Steelers because of Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Um, you know, even the Chiefs because of Manuel Ogba and, you know, the Rams because of Ramon Richards, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like Chris Carson, the Seahawks. I can go on and on. There's actually quite a few Oklahoma State guys um, in the NFL now, which is awesome and always awesome to see every single year. And, of course, Blake Jarwin with the Dallas Cowboys. But I will, I do want to say I think the Dallas Cowboys are, uh, man, taking a deep breath before I say it because it's a lot, but I think they're I think they're for real this year. I think the Dallas Cowboys have the ability to go to the Super Bowl and have I think there really are 
is this, I think there really is a strong possibility that the Dallas Cowboys at least make it to the NFC title game. And reason is that the defense is all shorn up. Everyone's good to go. They got Travis Frederick back on the offensive line this year after dealing with some health stuff the year before. And of course, they just signed Lyle Collins, I believe today, I believe yesterday. And then of course, Zeke was signed today. You know, today I'm recording this podcast with you, Alexi, at yeah, September 4th, uh, 2019. But I really do think, and I really do strongly believe that Dallas Cowboys are going to either win the NFC and get to the Super Bowl or at least be in the NFC title game. You know, at this point, they have the wide receivers, they have the offensive line, they have the running back, and their defense is pretty good. Their defense isn't the best in the entire league. The defense isn't the greatest in the entire world. But Leighton Van Der Esch, you know, Sean Lee when he's healthy, Demarcus Lawrence, all these guys, Byron Jones, all these guys are going to be pretty darn good for the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I, I do think that at the end of the day, they could do something. They make some noise. They can really be good in the playoffs. Um, maybe I'm coming out of left field. Maybe I'm being crazy, but I hope not. No, to go off of that, I, I mean, I was actually thinking about Dallas ever since um, Zeke signed that deal. Now, I am going to be a huge Zeke fan this season because I have him in two of my fantasy leagues. So I'll definitely be rooting for Zeke and probably Dallas because of that but i kind of i like them too you know they got they have a nice offense obviously the o-line is one of the best in the nfl if not the best uh the defense is pretty solid um wide receiver they have some nice wide receivers amari cooper and and um the gallop gallop is their number two so i mean yeah man and and if you got a guy like zeke who can take over a game with that o-line and and do special things yeah dallas is dallas is a team that can definitely make some noise and and I don't see I, – I would not be shocked if they made it to the NFC Championship game. Um, obviously, it's all about staying healthy. But on paper, yes, Dallas, Dallas has a nice team. And I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how they do in that division with um, with the Giants uh, and Philly. You know, I think, I think Philly's going to be the, the next um, – the team that would give them trouble. I think Philly's got a lot of nice options and a, and a healthy Carson Wentz for a full season – could be dangerous too. So I think I think it'll be between Philly and Dallas going for that division and um the loser making that wild card spot. So that that'll be fun though. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be good for sure. Um All right, man. Well, hey Alexi, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast tonight. And um it's been a good one for sure. Um and it's been a minute since you and I have done one. Um but it's good talking yeah, baseball as well and um Definitely, um, definitely have to talk with you soon about it for sure. Yeah, glad to be on and talk sports and of course baseball. It's this is like my favorite time of the year. We got we got end of the season with baseball, pennant chase going on. We got college football starting, NFL. I mean, can't get any better. So I'm looking forward to the rest of this month and uh, you know talking some more. Let's do this again soon, man. Yeah, let's let's do it for sure. I will leave out on this. Please follow the CGA Tour podcast on Instagram and Twitter at the CGA Tour. 
And um, shout out to the Padres currently tonight. Just got the MLB at bat notification that the Diamondbacks right-handed pitcher Zach Gallon has no hit the Padres through six innings in Arizona. So <laughs> really hoping he too. doesn't no hit the Padres because you know what? The Padres need to have at least one no hitter in their history before Yikes. some right-handed pitcher of Arizona that I have never heard of before no hits them. So wait. You've never heard of him? Okay, I'm sorry. Really quick. He was, believe it or not, he was a former Cardinals prospect. He was in the trade for Marcelo Zuna two years ago. And I swear, swear I, I didn't really know anything about this guy either until last year when I heard he was tearing it up in the, in the minors. And obviously now he's tearing it up too. So that might have been somebody we let slip away. But yeah, he was, fun fact, he was in that Cardinals trade uh, for Marcelo Zuna two years ago. Crazy. That, that is kind of crazy, and to be honest with you, until about 20 months ago, I didn't know too much about just baseball. <laughs> I mean, there, there's something that changed in my life where I went, yeah, I need to know a lot more about baseball. Um, yeah, we'll start doing uh, baseball one-on-ones in the next couple weeks, get you started on that, all right? Sounds good for sure. Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll write like a baseball preview or so for the beat from the bench. We'll see, man. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Well, hey, Alexi, thanks so much for joining, and um, talk with you soon. All right. Thanks, Alvin. Appreciate it.